This is a classic podcast from Unqualified Gamers. Hear more at unqualifiedgamers.com. Listener, you have found your way to... Unqualified? Unqualified. Un... Unqualified. Qualified. 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 A video game podcast. Uh, A video game podcast where two gentlemen... uh, That I would qualify us as gentlemen. Who I would qualify as unqualified to talk about video games. We are not qualified to talk about video games. That's literally what I just said. No, I was agreeing with you. And we talk about... But we talk about them anyway. Are you having a stroke? What the f*** happened uh, to your to your uh, internet? What internet service are you using? Uh, RCN. Bob's Internet uh, Bargainville? Bob's Internet Bargain Value Hardware Internet Corporation. Okay, and is is Bob uh, a good tech support guy? Does uh, Bob know what the internet is? I don't think Bob has any clue what the internet is. So, I don't, I've never heard of RCN. Um, it sounds to me like a... Uh, like an RC car company. See, here's the thing, though. So I've lived in Chicago for like five-ish years now, and I had Comcast for four years, and this is the first time I've tried RCN, and up until literally tonight, they have been infinitely better than Comcast. Like, so much faster, so much more reliable, so few dropouts. You would be really surprised. A a lot of the problems with... uh and especially because you're using wireless signal, right? Yeah. So a lot of the problems with all that wireless signal, especially in big cities, is all of the interference you get from all of the other signals in the area. So you'd be really surprised once you eventually, if you ever do, move away from the city at all, how much faster your wireless becomes just because of the lack of interference. Wireless I get, but my computer never lost connection to my router. It only... Like, it was connected to the router still, but the modem just, like, dropped out. Sure. Randomly. Uh, For the first time since I got the new modem, which, of course, I had to get a new modem after yeah, how, the last how time quick we was, had... How quick was that fix, by the way? Uh, what fix? Getting a new to modem? To get the new modem. From Bob's Video Bargainville. Discount, discount, discount Video Bargainville. Discount Video Bargainville. Plus dollar. Dollar plus. Hardware. Um, uh, we were recording on a Monday or Tuesday, and I had a service technician come on Friday, so it was like two or three days. So you didn't have internet, huh? Oh no, you used your uh, you used the person above. I used my neighbor's internet. Right. My neighbor uses AT and T and lives two stories above me, and I somehow still had really good internet. So I guess AT and T is good too. Was her password password? Yeah. How'd you know? Said, no, it wasn't. I had a it feeling wasn't. it was password one, wasn't it? It's okay. I mean, I know it's one of those two because that's you know what. The only things you can have your password be. You know what's funny about that is I actually tried to connect to every Wi-Fi uh, network that my computer was able to locate, and I tried the password password on all of them. And it didn't work, did it? It worked on all of them. Oh, but I wanted to meet my neighbor anyway, so I just used it as an excuse to meet my neighbor. Yeah, that's a good excuse, actually. I thought so. It's really weird that they all have the same password password, though. 
of password. Well, password. it is the most common password password. It is password password. Or was I only supposed to say that once? No, I think you're supposed to say it twice. Anyway, point is, I am cursed with this podcast. You are fine. I've never had a problem. Then again, you... I don't go changing the settings on my computer all the time like you do all the time. That is true. You are constantly changing the settings. You're changing the settings right now while I'm talking to you. I actually, during our last episode, I installed Linux. <laughs> How's that working out for you? I, I don't know. I switched I switched to Mac Jelly OS. Bean Linux? I, <laughs> is it Jelly Bean? Is it Java Bean Linux? What does that mean? I don't know. Isn't that what you f***ing Android users use? Java Bean? No, I'm on Ice Cream Sandwich right now. <laughs> I don't. I can't even tell if you're joking. <laughs> no, I actually am. Dude, you know, whatever. You're on lion or snow leopard or tiger prowler. There are or... no animals on my iOS device. It is just iOS, and I'm on Windows Seven because I've heard horror stories of Windows Eight. We've gone over this. Windows Eight isn't bad. Windows Eight is just Windows Seven plus an arbitrary uh, touch interface. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you can touch with your mouse. I can touch with my mouth? With, with your mouth. I feel like that would not be healthy for the tablet. Or device. Point is, I hate you so much. Hey, you had a good week of video games, didn't you? I, I actually spent a, a long time playing video games over the weekend. So, so listener, uh, before we begin talking about the video games that we played... Uh, what else about E3? Because we, we talked last episode, actually last two episodes, about some... E3 stuff, because you actually attended this year, and listener, if this is your first episode, um, Cody somehow got a press yeah. badge to, to allow him into E3 this year, and it was the first time, and you know, both of us have been following the industry very casually when we were kids, of course, and then much, much more closely as we've grown up, and this was the first time either of us had the opportunity at all to go to E3, so over the past few episodes, he's been talking about it a little bit. Um, so what is your what is your E3 wisdom of the day today? Like give us something else that we haven't heard about about your E3 visit. All right, E3 wisdom of the day. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD looks beautiful. And uh, you can immediately tell it's better and more vibrant than the original Wind Waker. Okay. And they have incorporated some of the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword controls into this version. So, for example, uh, while you're running around and moving as Link, you can actually hold up the Wii U gamepad, and depending on how you tilt the gamepad, you can aim your bow and arrow and fire your bow and arrow or slingshot or boomerang or whatever using that device while you're running around. So it's making things a little more streamlined, so you don't have to... Uh, you know, st stop and start. It's not so herky-jerky. It's much more of a fluid control scheme. Sure. Did you hear about any of the, like, significant changes that they're making to the story structure of the game? Because I, I heard they were going to change some stuff. I, I would imagine so, based on the fact that the controls are more smoothed out. It would basically be, like, cheating if they didn't add anything or alter anything. Uh, I will tell you the number one improvement that literally sold this game well it didn't literally sell the game to me but it literally well, made no, you me can't, you can't buy it yet i can't you can't buy right. it yet so i i so I, it didn't sell me the game because you literally stole the game from the show 
I literally punched the promotional model in the face, grabbed the Wii U, realized it was bolted to a giant display case so it would be too heavy to carry. Actually, N- Nintendo uses humans for their things that they bolt their systems to. What does that even mean? Don't you remember two years? Okay, maybe you don't remember this, but when they first unveiled the, the 3DS, they brought out a chain of women, and the women had them handcuffed to their arms, the 3DSs. That was how they unveiled the 3DSs to the masses. I don't believe I you. I swear to God. I don't believe I you. I swear to God. Listener, go YouTube it. I don't believe John. I swear to God, you can go YouTube it because it is absolutely true. So No, I can't because if I try to pull up YouTube, either my phone or my computer will explode. Listener, don't look up handcuffed women in Google, by the way. That's not a safe search unless you have safe search on. Um, but seriously, they're like a ta- like that's what they did at the show. I can't believe you don't remember that. That was hilarious. Anyway. No, and I didn't even tell you what literally figuratively sold me on the game. So what I don't even know which which word is correct at this point. So what sold you on the game? When you're sailing, you can essentially fast forward. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Okay, that's a big... It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a really big deal, considering that was my number one complaint about the game, and the reason why I called it a screensaver for several years. Yeah, that whole f***ing sailing thing, that was really good for, like, the first 20 minutes of doing it, because it's kind of, like, relaxing, and occasionally you see some interesting stuff while you're sailing. Yeah. Uh, but then... Then when you, like, have to have to get around, it is no longer... Uh, when you're like getting from objective to objective and not just exploring, no longer a fun thing to do. No, especially when you're trying to get from objective to objective halfway across the sea. Right. Not right. good. And uh, Skyward Sword takes it a step back because flying is even more boring and uneventful and slow and somewhat cumbersome. I think the sailing experience in Wind Waker is, even with the slow controls, far superior to the flying experience in Skyward Sword. I-M-H-O, or in my humble opinion, if you didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that was Zelda. Uh, I didn't really play with the touchscreen interface a whole bunch, but I'm guessing they're going to incorporate some of the item selection in that, which is great. And I read earlier today on Google+, Plus, I think, somebody posted a link that they're going to add a hard mode in Wind Waker HD, which is fine with me because Zelda games are not known for being notoriously difficult. They aren't. So there you go. I don't know. That's just a rumor that I may have seen earlier today. So take from that what you will. But overall, you were pretty impressed. Overall, yeah. And, and it, it's it's interesting because even I thought, why would they remaster in HD a cel-shaded game, you know? It's yeah. it's not like they're taking Final Fantasy VII and finally making it look really good, which they... Yeah, I mean, you'd think that that art style, even even not HD, you'd think that that art style would hold up pretty well regardless. Yes. Uh, but even without the side-by-side comparison, I walked up and I it immediately looked better. And I haven't played Wind Waker in years. Sure. So that was odd to me. And then I did later when I was walking... I didn't even notice when I was demoing, but later as I walked by, I saw on a second screen... They were showing a side-by-side comparison, and it does look a whole lot better. So I was surprised. And what was even more surprising than that to me, and this is actually the main reason why I brought up Wind Waker HD, was because I also demoed the Final Fantasy X 
HD remaster. Right, and that's the one that's on Vita, or is that on PS3 as well? It's on PS3 and Vita. Okay. It's the Final Fantasy X and X2 HD. Right. Because X2... Because we need, we need more copies of that to get into the masses. Obviously. Um, it looks virtually identical to the original game. Really? Like, virtually identical. I, I was playing it, and I was like... Am I even playing the HD remaster, or is this the original? Now, do you remember the original? Like, have you have you looked at the the graphics of it recently? Because I tried playing through it um, again. I don't know, probably a, a year or two ago, and it, the graphics definitely are. They look dated in it. I watched a YouTube video with a side by side comparison on Kotaku, okay. and it looks virtually the same. I mean, I, I get it. I get some of the textures are a little better. I get some of it is a little better. But it, in my opinion, it is barely noticeable. Like, when I was playing it, um, when I was playing it at E3, it still looked dated. Yeah. So I guess that's my answer to you, is if it looked dated to you when you recently tried to play it, it still looks dated to me. And it didn't look, like, great, you know? It just, I don't know. It didn't look better to me. Right. By a noticeable amount. So... I just thought that was kind of a joke. And, and the other thing is, for the demo, they just start you at the beginning of Final Fantasy X, which uh-huh. is like a 10 or 15 minute cutscene. So I, I got to an open console, hit start. Oh, yeah. That's really, that really is what it is. Yeah. I hit, I hit start, started to like watch it, and like two minutes into it, I'm just like, why am I standing here? And I just left. Are the women's breasts bigger? Uh, not that I could tell. I don't understand why we're even talking about it. Oh, you know why. It's because ratings... You know why? I see what you did there. Why wouldn't they redo the voices? Yeah, yeah. do you know what's weird? Is There's a lot of people that like the voices in Final Fantasy X. Who are these people so there's we like may kill them? There's one dude I read an opinion about. That dude is wrong. That dude is most people. The most people are the worst. Yeah. Listener, no, the, if you liked the voice acting in Final Fantasy X, turn this off and go go play any other video game with voice acting. Yeah, it wasn't that good. It was I not good. You. I agree with you. If you're you, going to remaster that. one thing, re-release it with the same graphics and everything, just re-voice it. To be fair, there, were, there weren't a lot of games that had full voice acting at the time. It was kind of a pioneer especially with the scope of the game and, like, the amount of content there. So, I mean, there's still something impressive about having that much voice acting in a game. It's much less impressive now. But back then it was, regardless of how bad the voice acting was, it was still kind of impressive. I hate your opinions. Because they're correct? Because they're crap. Yeah, they are crap. Now what? Uh, so... You probably still have a lot of other E3 things to talk about. Is that uh, probably? I actually uh, just gave you my Wind Waker HD and Final Fantasy X and X2 HD recaps off the top of my head. I didn't have my notes in front of me because I still have not recovered them from my destroyed hard drive that you watered. Right, that I watered. Okay. So I'll get to more stuff later. But uh, yeah, that's all for that for now. I do have a couple non E three related things to talk about later in this episode. But I'll let you go to your thing first because I know you've been playing something recently. Sure, and actually, before I talk about what I was playing, I just want to talk. No, about you kind of- are only allowed to talk about that. 
So there was a really cool event that I was playing over the weekend. An event? That I played, so it still counts. What? Uh, no, so there was a, there was an event that was a, uh, a speed run. It was, it was a speed run marathon, and I guess this is a a common thing in the video game community where they'll they'll do like a they'll get a group of speedrunners together and there's a uh, there's a website for speedrunning and for like uploading videos for of that type and stuff and they get a bunch of speedrunners together and they do like four or five days of straight speedruns I'm talking 24 hours a day for those days of different games um speedrunning yeah. them and you can donate over the course of this, and they'll stream it on Twitch TV um, or Ustream or whatever service they want to use. And you can donate to the cause. And this year they did Doctors Without Borders. Um, it's a it's a cause where doctors will go overseas to impoverished nations and and help out um, people in a variety of ways oh. that they can uh, because they don't have any kind of medical they don't have any good kind of medical treatment there. So it's a really cool cause. I've actually got a friend here in the cities um, that that is a member of it that goes to Afghanistan every year. In the cities? Year. Is that what you call Minneapolis? Well, it's the Twin Cities. It's St. Paul, Minneapolis. You actually call it the cities? They're called the cities. That is the, the worst now. nickname I've ever heard. Not when you live in that's Minnesota. Like, that's Minnesota. like calling Denver the Ver. No, it's not. It's like calling Denver the Mile High City. Is it more than one city? Surrounding suburbs? That, I don't think that counts. Look, the point is, uh, is they so they, they did this charity run over the over the course of the weekend, and they did it from Thursday through Monday night. So it was like it ended up being five days. Um, they taught uh, they raised over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Are you? Sh- me? Yeah, isn't that crazy awesome? $250,000 over the weekend for this one cause. I, I, I'm aware of these speed runs, and I knew that a lot are for charity, and I've read about them on Kotaku and, like, even tuned in briefly before, but $250,000. What were yeah, they playing? Yeah, and I, and I can see why. So they played everything, every genre of game that you can possibly imagine. Um, they, I mean, they went from anywhere from modern games, modern like indie games. Like there was a speedrun of Dust Force, which was a an indie platform that came out not too long ago. To Rayman Origins, which was a you know triple uh, A budget two D platformer that just came out like last year. Uh, to Final Fantasy Four, which was one of the last days. To Zelda Two. Um, uh, Link's Link's Adventure. The to Adventures of Link. The The Adventures of Link. Yeah, you know, I I I've played it like once. Uh, so they it was all over the board, all over the board in terms of the genres of game. Um, but whenever I tuned into it, there were like anywhere from thirty to fifty thousand use uh, watchers viewers. Typically, it was it was probably the consistently highest watched channel that was going on over the weekend yeah. on Twitch. So it was really cool to kind of tune in and they would go through and they'd read off, during the speedruns they'd read off um, donations and stuff and you'd hear, and a lot of them were like 15, 20 bucks. Occasionally you'd hear like a 300, 400, 500 dollar donation. Um, so there was some cool stuff in, in that. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is it relates to video games. One is because it's kind of cool to see some positive, like, there's a lot of negative press. Bullshit 
that come that comes out of this particular industry, um, and especially the fans of this industry. Like people, a lot of people who video games are total fucking assholes. But it's cool to see the community get together and like raise a bunch of money for this cool cause. Um, so that's pretty cool. But the speedruns themselves are kind of the reason why I brought this up because I had never I knew what a speedrun was, um, in the sense that I knew it was attempting to get to the end of a game as fast as you could. Right. Um, and then for certain games, I knew there'd be different rules. Like there'd be like a 100% clear versus a just get to the last boss and kill it clear, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but what I didn't realize was it's basically all bets are off in these speed runs in terms of using, using glitches and bugs of the game to your advantage. So... I'll use the example of Final Fantasy IV, which just got streamed on Monday night. Oh, God, um, I can't wait to hear this. They, wait, wait, which version, first of all? Because there are about, I would say, 93 versions of Final Fantasy IV. The SNES version of Final Fantasy II. So the version that is most likely to have bugs in it. Right? Oh, that game is so bugged. So, Oh, my God. Did they... Did, they, I bet I know what glitch you're gonna say. Maybe, and I didn't actually even get it. I didn't even get to see the glitch. I left the room for like five minutes, and they were at the last boss. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, what happened was, um, they they were playing the game, and, and he was playing the game normal. The guy that was speedrunning played the game normal. Um, there was one little glitch at the beginning where they they like went back into the city of mist to get another weapon for Edward to actually make him effective. Um, but for the most part, he played the game normal. Um, and uh, the the estimated time was three hours to beat the game. <laughs> he completed the game in two hours and 20 minutes yeah. from start to finish. And I don't know what glitch it was. I didn't get it. Again, I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, I was actually, yeah, I, I just didn't get a chance to see it. Um, because I was I was streaming it onto my phone and I was like away from my phone every once in a while. Um, but I I left and when I came back, he was at Zeromus with a party of uh, Cecil, Rosa, Rydia, uh, Fusoya, and Yang, and. That was the party that he killed Zeromus with, and he used some other bug after that, where he used some some flaw in the logic of the game in determining. Uh, he explained it, and I will never be able to explain it in the way that he did because he knew what the f- he was talking about. But basically, <laughs> the game checked for like a spell name in your in your spell list, and he had like an enemy name in there, but the enemy name was an abbreviation of two different names, and when he used the spell it basically reversed the it reversed the 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 status of Zeromus in like the the game's programming language from alive to dead so he just killed he killed Zeromus by using the crystal on him which is what you have to do to get to Zeromus's fightable form he just used the crystal on it and it killed him yeah so i was like watching this and i was like what the fuck just happened like and it it just totally blew my not blew my mind because I didn't realize, like I said, I didn't realize that these speedruns were meant to exploit uh, cons- like consistent glitches that that these speedrunners know about and are able to execute on repeatedly. Um, that that was that was the biggest example that I saw that was 
the craziest example that I saw. But there was another one where they did Blaster Master. I don't know if you ever played Blaster Master. Um, but Isn't it's it a, really hard? It's an NES game that's super hard. Yeah. Um, but th- there's a glitch in it where if you, like, use one of your abilities, pause the game, leave the pause screen, like, pause it again, leave the pause screen, your character, like, teleports, like, seven screens away or something. To like different areas, so he the, the dude that was playing was just warping all over the map, and a, and a game that probably took me three, four, five hours to beat when I was a kid, um, and I, I did not beat that game maybe more than once or twice because that was a very challenging game. Yeah. He beat it in like twenty two minutes. Good. Yeah. So the speedruns were awesome in the sense that you you really got like a cool. It was really cool. It was just really cool to see people taking advantage and like and like. Somebody had to sit down and find all of these glitches that they used to to beat these games, to finish these games, complete these games in the speed that they did. The other cool thing... Well, wait, before you go on, uh, I think I know what glitch he used in Final Fantasy IV. Okay. Because I was sitting on my couch watching YouTube videos one time, and under suggested videos on my PS3... A video popped up, something, uh, it was called Final Fantasy, the 100 Rooms glitch or something along those lines. I will find that video and post a link to it uh, on our Tumblr page, which is uh, videogamepodcast.tumblr.com, and on our Google Plus page, uh, so search for Unqualified Video Game Podcast on Google Plus. Um, but essentially, when you get, and I won't go into the you know technical details because the video i watched was actually in japanese um but the top level overview john is basically there's a room in the dwarf castle underground where if you like exit it and go in and out of the stairs like uh, literally 100 times it like teleports you to some weird screens and you basically do that for like six or seven minutes and then end up at zeromas with the party that you mentioned, a couple values change around. Fusoya ends up in your party. That's why you still have Yang. Um, so I've seen that glitch before, and it's ridiculous. And it's Boy. one of those things where you're just like, why would that ever happen? Yeah, and like I said, I, I left and like was away from the stream for all of five or ten minutes. And when I came back, I remember them being in the underworld fighting Golbez. And when I came back, they were at Zorobas. Or like yeah. they were, yeah, and I was like, what the f- just happened. So, um, but the other thing I was going to say that was really cool about these speed runs, um, from a technical perspective, is they did all these different genres of games, all different genres, uh, from puzzle games to action games to role playing games to just everything. Yeah. But there was a consistent vocabulary between all of the games. Like, the people, the speed runners, of which maybe there were like 15 to 20, there might have been even more than that, but there were, there were quite a few there. Um, they may have all been playing different games, but they talked about the games u- using the same vocabulary and could have like conversations about the way the games were played. Um, and from a speedrun perspective, kind of no matter who they were and what they ran. So I thought that was really cool because it's like this, it's like this subgenre, it's like this niche subgenre of video games within mm. the hobby of video games. Yeah. So I just thought it was really cool. Um, it, I I really enjoyed it. Really impressed with the amount of money that they raised, um, and I got to see some really cool games. And it's not the type of thing you don't watch speed runs. I learned this very quickly. You don't watch speed runs if you want to like experience a game. 
No. So like a game that you've never seen before. Yeah, like no. it is it is way not the way to watch a game you have never seen before because you no. will have no idea what the f- is going on. No idea. Um, but the games the games like specifically Final Fantasy 4 uh which I know so well, which I have played so many times. Um it lets you see those from a completely different perspective and uh that was really cool. And they're the the people that are doing this are I would argue are are like the the best players of these games as well because they have to find ways to shave off as much time as possible in how they're playing. So watching him uh, fight boss battles where he he had run from every battle, every random encounter he would run from. Oh, yeah, yeah, to save time. But he would still have to fight bosses. Right. um, Specifically like Cagnazzo or or Mylan, you know, the the fiends of, of... of uh, earth and water, right? Yeah. Like, he still had to do those as normal fights, and he was able to do that, you know, with basically the base level on Palam and Poram for for Mylan. Um, it was just, it was very cool. It was very cool. So, I, I was highly impressed. Definitely want to watch speedruns a little more now. It kind of got me interested in them. Yeah, well, I, I, t- I mentioned in an episode, several episodes ago, the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time speedrun. Did you ever watch that? No. But they did, tw- they did do one of those. Okay, it's like a 21 or 22 minute speedrun. They must use a pretty... It's a glitch. glitch. Yeah. It's an yeah. It's a glitch. They, they, the, but at the same time, even with the glitch, the guy is so flawless with his execution. Like you said, like he has to do a lot of the initial stuff in the game, like get the Kokori sword and stuff like that. But the guy doesn't run or just roll or walk through the game. He literally holds the Z trigger and side hops everywhere because that's the that's the fastest way to move in the game. Yeah. So he's essentially only side hopping through like 20 straight minutes of Zelda, which means that you can't see where you're going. So he's essentially able to move around the entire like game blindfolded. Yeah, I mean, the guy that did Blaster Master knew the patterns of the bosses completely. Like, yeah. completely. So he was, he never, uh, there were bosses, he didn't get hit. I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was yeah. pretty awesome. And that level of skill is, even if you're not speedrunning, the level of skill it takes to consistently not even get hit by certain bosses in certain games is is absurd. Yeah, it's very impressive. And it's obvious that they have put in a lot of time into these games. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you've uh, delved deeper into the world of speedruns. I'll also post a link to the Ocarina of Time speedrun on our Google Plus and Tumblr pages. Yeah, one of the one of the other speedruns that I didn't watch, and I don't know if they did it at this one. I think they might have, but um, there's, there's a pretty famous guy from Japan, and I know he wasn't there at this, but there's a pretty famous guy from Japan that does Super Mario 64 speedruns, and <laughs> yeah. he quite literally only plays Super Mario 64. Like, that is all he does, is just speed on Super Mario 64. And he does, like, 120 stars, and I want to say it's somewhere between an hour and 20 and an hour and 40 minutes. He does 120 stars. So, so just th- think about that, right, from your experience with Super Mario 64. Um, but I would recommend checking out those videos, because I, I did watch a video of that once, and it was absurd. It was absurd. Um, Didn't you say the guy also, like, he'll get hit once and then just reset the game? Mm. Maybe somebody else was telling me that. Because somebody else, you, I, I thought it was you, were talking to me about the Mario 64 speedruns, uh, and the guy will literally, like, 
be in a level and miss a jump or something or die, and he'll just reset the game because he's like, "Well, I can't finish that." I don't remember any. I don't remember any of that. But then again, the only video that I would have watched would have been one where he did it correctly. Oh no, he's the guy in the. There's a there's a guy with a Twitch TV channel, I believe, who like for a living just speedruns Mario sixty four. I believe it. Like it's a it's a pay to watch channel or like he gets money from ads or something like that. I don't know, but it's like his full time gig. Maybe this is just an urban legend. I don't know, but I thought I tuned in once, and all he does is that. And if he gets hit like once or twice, he'll just reset the game because he knows that like he's not going to beat his original record. I heard the urban legend was that Nintendo gave him a job. That's the urban legend. I heard that he is. Yeah, I heard the urban legend that Nintendo don't do stuff like that. So, um, it was really good. I really enjoyed that. Now, that being said, I have been playing a significant amount of games. Uh, the, you know, the Steam Summer Sale, like I, like I talked about in the last episode, or it might have been two episodes ago, uh, got, got me good, uh, in terms of my pocketbook. Yeah, you um, said you spent like 80 bucks? I did. I did. Okay. I, spent eight, I spent 80 bucks, and I want to say I got about 15 games. Wow. I, I spent, I figured it out today, I spent like 37 or 38. But I only got like five games. It, well, including the Civilization Five Gold Edition, which includes like six or seven DLC packs for it. Right, right. Um, but yeah. So, so one of the games that I got uh, that I had been excited to purchase, I, I probably would have purchased this sooner if I had honestly remembered about it. Uh, but it just came up on the Steam Summer Sale. I was like, "Holy shit, that game! I totally forgot about that game." Uh, and that game is Torchlight Two. Um, so if you don't know anything about Torchlight, it is a an isometric, uh, top-down adventure Diablo clone. Is, what you mean, is, Gauntlet clone? It's on, yeah, sure. Except that Gauntlet didn't have loot, right? But it's a it's a it's a Diablo clone. Is ultimately what it is. Um, it is, and and if you've ever played these games, it is always kind of the same. It is a it a, an action RPG where uh, you'll have special abilities mapped on typically the right mouse button, you'll have your auto attack mapped on the left mouse button, you'll have some other abilities you can use using some of the keyboard buttons, but for the most part, you're moving around and using abilities using your mouse, um, and killing just a ton of shit, um, uh, searching lots of chests, lots of breakable uh, containers, um, killing elite monsters, which are like strong versions of regular monsters um, in hopes of finding loot and one of the main characteristics of this genre of game is that all of the loot you can shows up on your character so you can see so you can constantly see your character getting cooler pieces of gear um, physically I, like his costume changes exactly okay um, I have a I've always kind of had a soft spot for these games they're super addictive to me um, and Recently, these games have become kind of multiplayer endeavors where they are really meant and the most fun to be played multiplayer. So I've been playing with uh, with, a, with a friend. Basically, I only play when I'm playing with him. Um, and one, it turns it into a social experience, which, it's, in my opinion, I think any game is better as a social experience with more than one person involved rather than just me playing by myself. Well, that's why we stream on twitch.tv slash unqualified podcast. It's also why we do a podcast together about video games. Um, but I don't listen to anything you say. Yeah, you just line up You just line up the, uh, the waveforms at the end. Yeah, no, I understand <laughs> how this works. Yeah. Um, I know music sound 
audio blaster. Um, so, so that that part is fun. That it, and it, they make it really easy. Like, it, if we we've only done private games so far, but if you want, you can just open up a public game, set a level range, anybody can join it, um, and that's cool. Now, when the game came out, it was twenty bucks, which is also cool because they were not going for the same market that Diablo was going for. Diablo, when it came out, was a $60 experience. I think it might still be $60. Maybe they might have lowered the price to 50 or 40 at this point. It's got to um, be 60 because it's coming out on uh, consoles shortly. Yeah, that could be. Um, but it's, it was more of like a hardcore experience. But Twilight, by from its inception, was kind of like, this is something you could just kind of f*** around with. Not only can you just kind of f*** around with this, but we're going to give you the like the full game that we made which uh, who knows how the hell long it is. We've been playing for 15, 20 hours so far. Um, but we're also going to give you all of the mod tools for it too. We're going to release those immediately and you're going to be able to make your own adventures. You're going to be able to basically do whatever you want. Like we'll support this game a little bit after we release it. But for the most part, you as the user can create whatever content you want and there'll be a great database of stuff that you can search on uh, to get some of this content. Yeah. So, so um just from its inception it is it was a much different thing than Diablo 3 was because okay. of all the user generated stuff well just because just because they they are pitching it as more of a uh kind of a a softcore gamer experience like one where you can just kind of jump in and just have some fun with it for a while and not have to invest a lot of time into it sure um so but it's honestly, uh, I loved Diablo 3. I loved it. I loved it. But when I started playing this, and when some of the systems of this game started uh, to unlock a little bit, I realized that this is this is kind of the game I wanted Diablo to be without realizing it, that it was the kind of game I wanted Diablo to be. Um, I say that because Diablo, Diablo 3 had some customization for your character in the sense that there were... I want to say like 25 different abilities per character. That might be on the high side. Maybe more like 20, right? Okay. So 20 different abilities per character, and you can have six equipped. And each of those abilities has six variations of the ability. So like the combinations are staggering in terms of your abilities, right? In Diablo. Right. Right. So like the actual like build for your character could always be super, super different. Um, But there was no customization around the gear that you got. Basically, you looked for gear, and you got what drops. Like, there was no way to alter the gear once you got it. You could dye it to make it a different color, but you could not change the stats on it in any way. Um, So it really limited the amount of customization, because once there were, like, optimal builds that were found out by the community say there were like three or four builds per character that people considered good and viable. Those are the only things you ever saw. Those are the only things that were ever used. And so once, once those become standard, then the only other place you can go for this customization is in the equipment. Well, they had no systems in place. They have no systems in place in Diablo to customize your equipment like that. Um, Whereas in this game, there's a ton of options. There's like an enchanter where you can get random enchantment enchantments placed in your gear. There's a um, 
like an alchemist that lets you use different formulas. So combining a bunch of items to make new items that you have slight control over. Um, there's just they, there's just tons of different ways to modify the gear in this, to where it doesn't seem like every character, every character, like every witch doctor that ran this one build in Diablo three always felt the same. Every wizard that always ran this one build always felt the same, no matter who you were playing with. Yeah. And so that's that was kind of a bummer. Like it, it made the game grow stale. And I still I still probably play that game for like a hundred hours, honestly. But the game still eventually eventually grew stale. And I think it was stale before I finished playing it. I think there was a lot of times where I was playing it and I wasn't necessarily enjoying it all that much. Um but this game I'm not getting that feeling at all. Um, the other the other cool thing about Torchlight is that the areas are randomly generated, whereas in Diablo 3, which is uh, which is really weird, but it, in Diablo 3, the areas were not randomly generated. It was always the same. So you were given four acts that you could play, and the general level structure was always the same. So you can imagine how quickly that would grow stale. Yeah, like, uh, this is really stupid, but the only game I can compare that to is Fantasy Star Online for the Dreamcast. Don't ask me why I know that. But yes, the same mission, or different missions in the same terrain is annoying. Yeah. All the time. Well, Borderlands, Borderlands 2. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, I suppose that's another good example. because terrain-wise... Sure, but not but not only was it terrain rot wise the same. I mean, they were literally the same maps, um, and that's that's a big bummer because it it makes it so that and these games are meant to be played over and over and over and over again because you're always chasing that good piece of loot. That's right. the point of them. And um, if if it grows stale for you to run this run that same route over and over again, you're not. You're, that is the point of the game, especially at the end of the game. So I think Diablo 3 was kind of a miss on that, whereas this game, with the customization of the items, with the randomly generated worlds, and the fact that like there are some random events that you can get that d- that don't always show up when they generate like this map. So one time you might get this quest from a, a quest giver, and you might have an area spawn that you need to go to to fulfill this quest. And another time, that guy might not even show up. Another time that this map is generated. So, you might see, like, a different thing every single time you play these areas. And that, you never saw different stuff playing the same areas in Diablo 3. Um, and not to mention, it's just a hell of a lot of fun to kill a bunch of stuff with friends. Like, just playing a game together like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that doesn't give it a leg up over a whole lot of other games that are out there these days. Sure, uh, but they they make it they make it easy to connect. That's fair. Um, and they make it they make it a point to 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 put to show you that that is a functionality that they have as well. Um, so yeah, I am just I'm impressed with it. I uh, I wish I had gotten to it sooner. Like I said, I knew I kind of knew it was always something that I was going to play. Um, I just totally forgot about it until it showed up on the Steam sale and I got it for $5 and it's like I, I'm going to play that game a shit ton and it cost me $5 for that game and you can even get it retail right now for 20 Wow. So, 
Yeah, man, you sort of deal. That sounds good. So, uh, yeah, how about you? What was your weekend like? My weekend was also full of video games, but I will talk about those video games in a future podcast. What a damn tease you are. I am. I'm such a tease. I know how to tease. I'm in the biz, you know. Uh, But I will give you a hint, and I, I... got the Metal Gear Solid Legacy Collection. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. So I tore my way into that. Uh, You'll see a lot of posts. I've been posting a lot about Metal Gear on Google+, so you can probably figure out what I've been doing. But yeah, check that out, uh, our Google Plus page, and I'll I'll talk about that. The one other thing I did want to talk about that's video game related on this podcast, on this episode, is... uh, Listener, when you hear this podcast, it will be the day before Gen Con 2013, the biggest four days in gaming, which uh, John and I have attended many times. We uh, so I was. I've missed. I've missed one year in in about fifteen years. Yeah, I think I've missed three. Um, but I have. I have eleven badges, so I've gone at least eleven times. Yep. Um, so Gen Con, now it's not a video game convention, it's pen and paper role-playing, board games. Um, it's basically any any types of games. Recently, video games have shown up there, but they're not a big deal there. It's mostly any other type of game you can possibly imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's sponsored by Wizards of the Coast, so Magic Cards and Dungeons and Dragons, like, boom. Magic Cards and Dungeons and Dragons, but, like, Fantasy Flight Games is there. A lot of people are playing, like, the big games that are semi-popular complex board games like um, Risk and what What are some of the like big ones that are kind of more mainstream a little bit? Uh, well, I mean, you'll get Scrabble tournaments there. I no, know no, I no. Like... I, I mean some of the more complex ones like uh, uh, Settlers of Catan. Right? Sure. Like Catan is Catan is like one of those. It's like on the like a lot of people know what it is. A lot of people have played it or heard of it, but it's it's still very very complicated. And it's still a little niche, but I feel like Settlers is kind of out there more. And uh, it's you know so is like Risk stuff like that. So there's some like bigger scale ones like that. Then there's really obscure ones. Anyway, there is also an e games arena, and uh, <laughs> my friend Brad is going for the first time this year, and he and I will be entering the WWF No Mercy tournament. At midnight on Friday. Because they have one of those? Yes, which is amazing. WWF No Mercy is arguably the best uh, wrestling game ever made. And oh, the, that game was great. The only people arguing against that are the people that prefer its predecessor, WrestleMania 2000. I prefer No Mercy because it introduced a couple different game mechanics, such as running grapples and, uh, like, springboard moonsaults off the ropes. Oh, all right, nobody's – you've lost everybody. I've Nobody lost cares. everybody, sure. Nobody cares. But anyway, it's – they're awesome games. But John and I are going to be uh, walking around the con. We may have some business cards by then with logos or something fancy. I don't know. Um, but we'll be, like – you know, commiserating. That's not right. We'll be mingling and mixing with other podcasters, maybe at some seminars and things. And, and I'm sure we'll be attached to our phones, so if you do do any type of posting or interacting with us on any type of social media, we will definitely be able to get it. Yeah, yeah, you can actually, uh, actually email us at unqualifiedpodcast at gmail.com uh, if you want to get to us really directly. And feel free to do that if you have any feedback about our episodes or anything you'd like us to talk about. Uh, I was tempted to discuss the whole Fez 2 debacle in this episode. Sure. But by the time it airs, it's going to be kind of old news. Uh, 
but we'll see how it plays out. Who knows? But like by the no, time you hear this, to, I mean it would be worth talking about just for a second. Well, um, okay. Uh, well, see, here's the thing. I read a tweet from somebody earlier, and uh, uh, it was from somebody that said, "I've been around Twitter for a long time. I see athletes do this all the time. Twitter blowups." often result in hasty apologies two to three days later and then every, everything is back to normal. So quite easily by the time our listener hears this, the whole thing could have blown over and Fez 2 is back on. But in case it's not and in case our listener is not aware, what happened was uh, that basically the developer for Fez rage quit the industry. Is Is that pretty much a good way to sum it up? Yeah, yeah. I think it's indig- – and you know – there's there there's definitely two sides to it. The on one side, uh, you know, you need a thick skin if you're going to put creative content anywhere. Yeah. Because you're going to get criticism. Sure. So so that's that's one side. The other side is the internet can be such a hateful, horrible place, and I totally get that it is not for everybody. Like to to put their content out there because people can be such for no reason other than to be assholes. So I can see it from both perspectives. Um, that being said, if you are, in my opinion, if you are making the choice to put your work out to these people, you have to expect their feedback, good or bad. So, Yeah, it's, it's tricky. And uh, apparently the straw that broke the camel's back was a particular video game quote unquote journalist he's a, from what I've read he's ostensibly a shock jock of video games he's kind of just a personality he's like an internet personality sure which we really don't need like we really don't need shock jocks in an industry where everyone I mean look what happened to Microsoft when they talked about the Xbox One and it's always online sure they were torn to shreds by by th- tens of thousands of people online we don't need a fucking shock jock on top of that. The guy's name is – he's the annoyed gamer, right? Something like that, yeah. Not to be confused with the angry video game nerd who is hilarious I, and brilliant. Or the I believe I, the annoyed gamer is British. Yes, the annoyed gamer is British. Uh, and also not to be confused with the irate gamer who is terrible and untalented and a complete hack and rips off the angry video game nerd shamelessly for no reason. If you've never seen him, don't Google him. He's not worth it. Um but uh, the annoyed gamer is some British dude. He works for one of the company game trailers, maybe or IGN. Uh. I feel like he, he works for I don't know who know. Point is, some this guy is kind of a douche, and he was apparently he he like kind of hijacked a Twitter like a Twitter thon that uh, that the Fez creator was having, and just kept pressing him and like calling him a p- and like ripping on him for not addressing. Like Xbox's indie developer kits or some stu- he was basically the like po- the policy. Yeah, he, he was wanted basi- he wanted a, he because because Phil Fish, who is the creator of Fez, and Jonathan Blow, who is the creator of uh, of uh, Braid um, and the upcoming The Witness, are kind of these. And I would I mean maybe they're a little self proclaimed. They're both a little haughty, uh, but they may not self-proclaim them, but they are kind of the indie darlings of the entire industry. Yeah. Like, they were 
they were almost what started this current indie movement. Um, Fez specifically, because they were also showcased in that documentary, Indie Game the Movie, which if you remember anything about that, um, it kind of showcased what it's like to be an indie developer. Yeah. Um, And so their opinions, like, if they want to be in this spotlight, they have to expect that their opinions on these matters are going to be asked. Because they are the forefront of the indie development movement. So, like, like, Phil Fish may not have asked to be in this position, but by creating a work that he did that is as popular as it is and and as uh, what people say is unique as it is in Fez, like, he then has to take on the role and be expected to answer those questions and, like, take on those interviews. I disagree. Respectfully. Well, actually, not not really respectfully, actually. I, I, I think you're a f***ing of shit, and I disagree with you. Sure. I, I mean, I guess I guess he doesn't have to give anything back to this industry if he doesn't want to. But this industry is also what m- made him probably very wealthy now. It's true. And I, I've heard he has an overblown ego. He's been on record saying really crappy things about gamers and stuff. So there are definitely two sides. I, I, I mean, he's been he's been very ra- like he was very racist about Japanese games um, about a year ago. So like. They are certainly not flawless. Yeah, none of these none of these are nice people. It, it, so it's kind of one of those those things where it's like, all right, this this quote unquote journalist was a dick to an indie developer who is a dick, and then the indie developer rage quit. It is is what I've read. You know, I, like I was aware. You may you may be misunderstanding me. I think maybe I didn't make myself kind of clear. So I don't think he he owes us those interviews. I don't think he owes anybody those interviews or those opinions, but I don't think he can get mad when people ask him. Oh, sure. I understand. His opinions. And, yeah, that the, I the agree thing, with. The thing, the thing is, is he got asked these questions and that's what pissed him off. Regardless of how many times he got asked, regardless of how many times he got prodded t- t- about his opinions, like he has to expect that. Yes. Absolutely agreed. He doesn't have to answer it, but he can't. He can't get angry when people ask him about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I understand that. Uh, I yes, I totally agree with that. I think that if if that's what he, I mean, yeah, he probably got angry at that, and that's stupid. I think the I mean the annoyed gamer did push it further. I guess he was. I mean, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I just read synopses. I'm kind of over it. You know, at first I read it and I was like, wow, this annoyed gamer's a jerk. And then I read about. You know this this guy Phil Fish, right? And I'm like, wow, he kind of sounds like a dick too. And then and then afterwards, yeah. at the end of the day, I'm just like, well, it's a shame that fans don't get to play Fez two now because people just can't be nicer. This is kind of the bottom. I think overall the bottom line. I just think everybody should be nicer, especially gamers. You know. So there you go, there you go, gamers. If you take anything away from this episode, um, be nice. Just be nice. Be nice to people. It's true. That that entire conversation, by the way, was a complete tangent off of Gen Con, and I was actually driving towards a point when talking about Gen Con. Does the point escape you right now? No, no. I have it written down 
literally right in front of me uh, that I was going towards. So before we somehow got on that Fez side side quest, uh, now back to the main plot, which I it, it's like in Final Fantasy IX, like the game is progressing fine, and then you get to Chocobo hot and cold, and then. It's, and then you do nothing but Chocobo Hot and Cold for like seven hours. Oh, at least. And, and then, then you progress a little longer, and then you do nothing but Chocobo Hot and Cold for like another seven hours. And then you have no idea where the storyline is. And then you fight Anal. Uh, Ozma. <laughs> <laughs> I always called that optional boss Anal. For the record. But anyway, John and I will be at Gen Con. Email us if you want to. I'm going to be at the eGames Arena on and off. I may participate in a Smash Brothers tournament. I'm not sure because the ones at Gen Con are not fun. It's more people being really douchey. Um, oh, they're... Remember how we just talked about whole gamers? Some of those, it feels like, are there. So if you're there and you're in the video games arena, don't don't be an asshole. Yeah, uh, but but John and I will be around. But uh, on the way to Gen Con, since I'll be driving from Chicago, I've got a few hours in the car. I plan on listening to a little album that was recently put out by Overclocked Remix, which I don't think you've listened to yet, John, but you should. It's called Final Fantasy VI: Balance and Ruin. This is a uh, a remix album of the entire Final Fantasy VI soundtrack. Or at least most of it with some tracks done twice. I don't know. But uh, it's a four, maybe five, I don't know. It depends on who you check with. It's a four or five disc set. Uh, it's available for free, completely free on the internet. No ads or anything. Uh, just Google Final Fantasy VI Balance and Ruin, and it's, it's uh, produced by Overclocked. But how much do I have to pay for it? So it's thirty nine ninety nine. You have to PayPal it to my account. It's it's weird because I'm a I'm a distributor for this album. So you send that to me and Oh you're you're the pub you're the publisher? I'm one of the publishers, yes. Do the developers get any of the uh the money? Yeah, I haven't decided yet. I'm I'm leaning towards I'm leaning towards I, I haven't I'm no. They don't get any money. Because okay. they don't deserve it. What did they do other than all the work? Yeah, I mean, you're doing all the marketing for them. Exactly. I mean, you're actually getting their uh, game, I'm sorry, their soundtrack out to the masses. They are Da Vinci, and I am the printing press, if you will. Without the printing sure. press, no one would know who Da Vinci was. I mean, what's better, one Mona Lisa or a million Mona exactly. Lisa? Mona Lisa? So, point is... Uh, I have listened – now, before you tune out, listener, keep in mind, I listened to the Final Fantasy VII remix album. I listened to – there were one or two other remix albums they've done, and I, I was not particularly fond of them. Uh, I don't remember why exactly because it's been several years, but they were not my cup of tea. Uh, it's, and, and when you're saying that about a Final Fantasy VII remix album, that's kind of tough to do because that's a pretty good – soundtrack right there sure so um i'm it's not that i'm overly critical i don't think it's just that uh, you know uh it just didn't fit my fancy this one did uh, maybe you won't like it as much but i loved it and I, I especially loved the variety of it uh they take the airship theme and turn it into uh kind of like uh an old-timey like uh I didn't even know, like a luau kind of theme. Uh, they have acoustic guitar music. They have acoustic piano music from ev everywhere from acoustic, pi from just like plain piano music to dubstep. 
where they actually of course there's dubstep. Uh, there has to be dubstep. Uh, but I lo- are there sick drops? There are sick drops. Always sick drops. Um, but the highlight for me was the opera, and you have to, if nothing else, you have to listen to the opera. They redid it. It's three tracks, so probably about twenty minutes, roughly the full opera. Um, it. I don't want to like kind of spoil it, but but basically it's in the style of Bohemian Rhapsody. Interesting. And you'll you'll know what I'm talking about when you hear it. The so f- so they got Freddie Mercury to so sing Freddie the Mercury Final Fantasy opera. Actually sings uh, Maria and Draco from Final Fantasy VI. Uh, no, it, the way that they synthesize the vocals, f- everywhere from that to the instrumentation to a guitar break to some of the harmonies is all incredibly reminiscent of Bohemian Rhapsody. I think in the middle movement, because they're, again, three tracks. Uh, so it's the middle movement. It's just really interesting. The more and more I l- I've listened to it a hundred times now. Uh, every time I listen to it, I'm like, wow, this really is like does a really amazing job of kind of being an homage to both a video game and a classic rock song. So check it out. Check out Final Fantasy VI Balance and Ruin. There's my PSA for that. It's free. And there you go. Nerd. Nerd. So that does wrap up this episode because we have to get ready for Gen Con, even though you know we recorded this ahead of time. So whatever. But who cares? We do have to get ready for Gen Con. We do have to get ready for Gen Con. I'm going to be cosplaying as Booker DeWitt, by the way. I won't be cosplaying. I'll be, uh, I'll be looking at people cosplaying, though. Okay. That's cool. And you are you are going to use your sky hook uh, to tear open somebody's throat, right? I'm going to rip someone's face off. Is the like idea in, like in Face Off? All right, uh, listener, you can see Nicolas Cage and John Travolta then at Gen Con, uh, taking their faces off with a sky hook. Yeah. Um. But until next time, uh, check us out on a video game called. Uh, I don't know. Find us on Google Plus. Big and that's deep breath. Big deep breath. All Google, right. Actually, Slow it down. Our Google Plus page has links to everything that we do. It's got links to our Twitch TV page. It's got links to both of our Twitter pages. It's got links to our Tumblr page. So, listener, I know you probably don't use Google Plus because statistically you don't. But um, check out our Google Plus page because it's free and you can check it out from anywhere. And how do you get there? I don't have any idea. I literally don't know. All right, so look up Unqualified Podcast on uh, on Google+, and that, I assume, is where you can find us. If you can't find us on Google+, you can also find us and where we host our podcast at on our Tumblr page. Um, right. What Cody was trying to say before he got uh, something in his mouth. Something tapeworm. in his mouth. A tapeworm. Because I have to a, look good for Gen Con when I'm cosplaying. Yeah, is uh, videogamepodcast.tumblr.com, and you can find us there as well. Wheel, wheel, wheel. So until next time, thanks for joining. I us. sorry, you cut out there. What did you say? I said so. Until next time, thank you for joining us. I'm sorry. Were you trying to sign off? Because that's my job. Oh, sign off then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unqualified Podcast. My sign off was way better. Where's you guys to talk about video games? Who aren't qualified to talk about video games and then to talk about them in a way because we want to 
and then the chaos. Feel free to chime in here. No, no, no. You got this one. Okay.